Hey everybody, and welcome to Rise and Shine. This is a podcast by college students dedicated to helping other students improve one of the most important aspects of your life and health, your sleep. So many of us I know deal with the effects of sleep deprivation um, and how they affect our grades, our mood, and our physical health. So we're here not just to tell you ways to easily improve the quality of your sleep, but also to show you how these methods work from a biological perspective. We'll be approaching the topic of sleep from each of our majors, giving you three unique perspectives and allowing you to really relate to whatever is most pertinent to you. My name is Grace. I'm Julie. Hey guys, I'm Drumo. Today we're going to be talking about sleep from the perspective of a psychology student, which is uh, what I'm doing. And especially as students, I think we're frequently told, you know, how important sleep is to our studies. But I don't think a ton of us always take that to heart. Like we know that it, in theory, it's better to get more sleep than less, right? Um, we know that we probably should study ahead of time and get eight hours of sleep before our big exam rather than pulling it on lighter. But honestly, I feel like there's a little part of us that doesn't believe like that applies to us or that sleep is that important to studying. Mm-hmm. Um, we continue to pull all nighters. We continue to sleep three to four hours a night, if at all. Um, so I was just wondering, uh, what do you two do? Do you pull all nighters before an exam? Do you stay up late studying to go to bed at your usual time? Like, how does that work for you? Well, I don't pull up nighters because personally, like if I sleep beyond 3 or 4 a.m., then my brain starts to shut down. Even if I try to, try to memorize something, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But I still tend to sleep late, maybe like 1 or 2, 2 a.m. Because, I don't know, like if I sleep too early, I feel like this kind of like I'm so nervous. Like, did I not study like that much? <laughs> like, do I need to study more? Like, I can't. I get so anxious that I can't even fall asleep. So I just stay up pretty late. Yeah, yeah, I get that. It's it's crazy how you can like sleep at like 1 or 2 a.m. before like a final or an exam because I tend to study like at night. Like, I mean, I probably like start at like 6 p.m., 7 p.m. and like probably end up studying till like I don't I don't even know, like till like sunrise and then breakfast and then probably go to sleep or something. Wow. I mean, I cannot study in the mornings. It's not because I'm lazy or it just might be, but I mean, I can't <laughs> study in the mornings. <laughs> I think I'm the opposite of Drew Meal. I'm like a grandma. <laughs> I don't study past 10 p.m. Like no matter how stressed I am, like that's when my brain shuts off. Um, so I don't know. I've never pulled an all-nighter in my life. I hope I never no. have to. Oh, that's but it's more not about me. Once? Not ever once. It's more about me being like no, you got an you old got person to. at heart, I think. <laughs> but I think the norm is staying up late and cramming, pulling all-nighters. Um, and today... I've done some research on why sleep is important for learning, for memory, decision-making, test-taking, and how that really impacts our academic performance here at school. Um, And by the end of the podcast episode today, I'm hoping we all have a better idea of not just like what kinds of things we can do to improve our grades in terms of sleep, but why these strategies work. Um, Like I said, I'm a psych major. That's the lens I'm going to be taking as we talk about this. Um, I will also be interviewing um, Dr. Kazama later in the episode, who's a psychology professor, and he's going to offer a ton of great tips for um, how sleep impacts our grades, good sleep hygiene practices, like the best way we can combine sleeping and studying. Um, But before I dive into the research, I just want to give a basic overview of the three basic theories of sleep. And um, all of this information is coming from Dr. Kazama's Psych 110 class, so you'll probably recognize it if you've taken that class. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's three major theories of why we sleep. The first is called preservation and protection theory. This one says that we sleep when we're most vulnerable. Um, so you'll notice that like predators sleep more than prey and small animals sleep a lot because they can hide easily. That kind of is evidence to support this theory. It's more evolutionary. 
Um, the second theory is body restoration, which says that the body wears out during the day and sleep helps to repair it. Um, you can tell, or, you know, studies have shown that when you sleep, your growth hormones spike. So, you know, when you were a kid, your parents were like, oh, you have to go to bed or you won't grow. Like, it's actually a real thing. They weren't just making that up. This is also the basis for beauty sleep, um, which is, again, a real thing. You need sleep to, like, repair your beautiful faces and bodies. <laughs> um, and the last theory is the one that's most closely related to what I'll be talking about. And it's called brain maintenance theory. Um, basically, this argues that REM sleep provides, provides regular exercise to the neurons in our brain. Um, it strengthens important synapses and circuits within the brain. And this is kind of the basis for the research that we'll be addressing later. Um, so I'm going to dive into two main empirical studies to address sleep and learning. Um, all of my sources are cited in the description for this episode, but the first study I'll look at is from 2014. Um, and in this one, a group of researchers led by Stephen Durning examined the relationship between sleep, performance, and prefrontal cortex activity. So if you've taken a psych class, AP Psych, Psych 111, Psych 110, what have you, um, you probably have heard of the prefrontal cortex. It's the key area of the brain that's involved in decision-making. Um, especially like reasonable decision making, you know, decisions you make when you're like really emotional. That's mm -hmm. that's not the prefrontal cortex. That's <laughs> not really what you want all the time. Um, so this study administered a measure of sleepiness called the Epworth Sleepiness Scale. You want to take it for yourself or something. Um, and then had a group of 17 practicing physicians complete multiple choice questions while they're in um, what's called an fMRI. So the fMRI me measures the functions of different areas of your brain. This allows researchers to like look at what's happening, activity in your brain when you're doing whatever um, task they've assigned you. In this case, they were looking at activity in the prefrontal cortex while they're taking the exam, which makes sense, right? Because mm -hmm. they're making decisions about which questions to choose in the multiple choice exam. So all the questions on this exam came from licensing exams that the physicians would have had to take to be able to practice. So they were all knowledge that they knew. They weren't learning anything new. Um, we'll talk about learning a little bit later. But I'm guessing you can, you know, well, what do you guys think? What, what do you expect the results would be? What's the relationship between sleepiness and how they scored on the exam? Well, I guess since it's about sleep, I guess the more you sleep, the better you score because I heard that. Like during while you sleep, your brain kind of like like works in a way that you store and be able to store the information that you have memorized or mm -hmm. learned and process it while you're sleeping. So that's why if you don't sleep, like your brain has such a limited sort of like limited amount of time to actually process the information that you study during the day. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm predicting that more sleep would lead to better score. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if that's true, I mean, I guess like I probably have to credit like my bad scores to like not sleep. <laughs> Yeah, let's, well, let's find out. Um, so exactly what Julie said, physicians who scored normally to moderately sleepy, um, so they weren't given time to sleep. It was just based on like where they were at at that point in the day. But if they scored like moderately sleepy on the scale, they performed worse on the exam. Oh. Um, this correlation was about um, negative three, 0.3, I'm sorry, negative 0.3. If you've taken QTM or whatever, you know, that's a pretty significant correlation. Um, and it means that approximately 9% of the variance in performance was associated with sleepiness, which is, again, a lot. Um, there's also a relationship between sleepiness and the prefrontal cortex activity, like they expected. So not only is the prefrontal cortex essential for decision-making, um, but also for overcoming sleepiness and helping us perform our best. Um, 
The main idea from this study is that being sleepy means our prefrontal cortex isn't functioning as well as it could be. Um, and this in turn decreases our performance on exams, even for medical professionals that we trust with, you know, everything like physicians, they're not immune to it either. So hopefully this is some encouragement um, that being sleepy uh, while you're taking an exam doesn't doesn't really help. Um, I don't know if this is enough to convince everyone to change their <laughs> ways. Maybe not. Um, I don't know. Has this has this changed y'all's mind about anything like <laughs> well, uh, I mean, spoiler alert, but we will be having another episode just like, I mean, trying to figure out sleep and productivity. And I've done a bit of research on it uh, to figure out, you know, if there is actually a correlation, just like you said. And mm-hmm. uh, I have figured like, you know, a lot of companies and stuff actually uh, promote sleeping mm-hmm. and I don't want to get too much into it and spoiler for you guys, but uh, we'll have more of that coming soon. Okay, cool. I think that actually convinced me a lot because I don't know, like... We knew that more sleep could lead to like better scores, mm-hmm. but I think I was kind of like very sarcastic or like yeah. not. I didn't really believe believe in those like saying, but now I have the like the scientific background of how this whole thing works. Mm-hmm. I know like at least there's some, like since there's some evidence out th- like that you have told me, I think I might start not sleeping that like staying up that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess I might need a little bit more convincing. Well. In that case, I have a second study for you to convince you. Great segue. (laughs) Um, This study is, I think, a little bit more complicated. But basically, the main idea is that post-learning sleep improves cognitive emotional decision-making, which is something that might come in handy when we're taking exams. So Mm -hmm. researchers in this study, also from 2014 by Seeley, um, use the Iowa gambling task. It doesn't matter that it's gambling, and that's not what we do here. I'm not endorsing it. (laughs) But this task is just used to assess real-life decision-making skills. Um, And what happens is participants choose between four decks that have different uh, reward probabilities. And it doesn't matter the details, but basically good decision-making is considered shifting from the bad deck to the good decks. And Mm -hmm. basically over time, you, you learn... While you're doing this task, you're supposed to learn which are the good decks, which are the bad decks, and then change your behaviors to reflect that. So you're you're learning while you're taking the test. Mm, interesting. Um, but this task, you know, choosing between four decks, it's not a whole lot unlike on choosing between four answers on a multiple choice exam. So that's why mm-hmm. I kind of thought it related. Um, and to look a little bit more at the biology, uh, previous research has found that certain structures in the brain are related to learning on this task. Um, such as the amygdala, which is involved in emotion processing, and the ventral medial prefrontal cortex, which is the more specific area of the prefrontal cortex for making choices. And these areas, these processes are really sensitive to the effects of sleep deprivation. We know that from previous research. So that being said, if these areas are sensitive to sleep deprivation and these areas are impact performance on this task, we know that performance on the task would be impaired by sleep deprivation. Um, But additionally, we also know that a period of sleep after learning something enhances the memories of the information you just learned by strengthening those synaptic connections. And this is something Julie mentioned like earlier. Um, Basically there's these processes that are going on. They're consolidating the memories that you just encoded um, while you sleep. And that's dreaming helps with that. Um, but you have to be asleep for this to happen. So researchers in this study hypothesized that post-learning sleep uh, would would facilitate performance on the cognitive and emotional 
task, this Iowa gambling task. So what they did in the study was they administered the task um, and ideally participants, you know, learn how to go about it. And then they retest the participa participants with the same task af after either 12 hours of wakefulness, 12 hours of sleep, or 12 hours of sleep and then wakefulness. So basically, they either first gave the task at nighttime and then let the participants sleep the night full 12 hours as if that'll ever happen, um, and then gave them the task again in the morning, or they gave it in the morning, didn't let them sleep, and gave it again that night. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, imagine studying in the morning, taking a test at night, yeah. um, chemistry or something. And then <laughs> the last group is just the control. And what they found was that individuals who learned how to do the task well during the first test uh, were more likely to improve following the sleep condition than following the wakefulness condition. So the group that performed the best were the ones who learned how to do it at nighttime, went to bed, and did it again in the morning. They didn't forget how to do it. Like you might think they would have forgotten how to do it and it would be uh -huh. better to be like focusing it all day. Yeah. Um, but that's actually not what happened. Um, uh -huh. But on the other hand, if individuals didn't learn how to do the task successfully, if they never shifted from the bad decks to the good decks, um, the sleep had no effect on their performance. Oh, interesting. So the way that this kind of relates back to what, you know, students were not taking this specific gambling task. Um, but what we can do is if we can um, study before we go to bed, learn the information, really encode mm -hmm. it. Um, if we sleep on that, you can actually do better on your exam the next morning than if you didn't sleep on it. And this only works... Um, unfortunately, it only works if you actually learn the information. So if you just sleep without like just right. not doing anything. <laughs> right. So it has to be like effective, productive studying. Yeah. But this is a strategy that we could totally use. Studying, and we're going to go into this a little bit later with Dr. Kazama, but studying not like right before you go to bed because mm -hmm. then you might be a little bit stressed, but yeah. studying maybe 30 minutes before you go to bed. Um and then going to bed, you're going to perform better on your exam the next morning. What do you What do you think of this? I mean, I mean, there's no harm in trying, is there? Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's not like I'm doing that well in exams anyway. <laughs> so, no, like I mean, honestly, like I mean, what you just said. Uh, I mean, I guess like it's always been that like if I don't sleep before exams and stuff the next day during the exams, you know what we call the crash mm, just like yeah. comes in and you just in a blink of a second you just feel like you just want to go to sleep. I mm -hmm. mean. Like, I've seen people, like, go to sleep in the middle of exams and stuff. And uh, I guess I would like to, like, implement it, I guess, once um, to, to see how it is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like a good strategy to actually uh, do better on exams. And I guess not only better on exams, but just for a healthier lifestyle. Yeah, definitely. That's true. I guess it's not all about yeah, our grades. It's also about a balanced life. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, I also agree with Jamil because once I like slept at least like six hours, seven hours before the exams, and then once I put all nighter because I thought I would be able to wake mm -hmm. up for my eight thirty exam during the finals. Uh, but then what I realized was that when I, I slept for six to seven hours, I still was able to like remember the information that I memorized. Mm -hmm. So I was able to get through at least like maybe like eighty percent of the test. But then when I put all uh, when I put all nighter, because my brain's like I'm like. I'm like trying to put my maximum, like I can't bear with it. Mm -hmm. So like, even if I'm taking the exam, I was like blanking in space. I was like, I try to like slap yeah, my face. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> I can wake up and actually do the exam. But then I like, I remember like I was like falling asleep while taking the exam. Yeah. So, even if I studied for the exam, there was actually no point because I was falling asleep. You were still forgetting. Yeah. <laughs> so 
before I go to my early bedtime from now on, before Tess, yeah. I think I'm going to study before <laughs> I go to bed a little bit. Even if it's past 10 p.m., we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, this research was really interesting for me to do and just learning like the biology behind it. And hopefully this will positively impact our lives. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dr. Kazama is a professor here in the psychology department. Uh, many psychology students may have had him as a professor for Psych 110, which is Introduction to Psychobiology and Cognition. Um, Dr. Kazama, thank you for offering your wisdom on this subject. In Psych 110, a big part of what you wanted us to gain from the class was like real life practical applications, and that's part of what inspired this podcast. Um, so I thought of things that I learned in your class about sleep, and we've already talked about earlier in the podcast about how sleepiness is just generally detrimental to performance on exams and how post-learning sleep can actually improve decision-making skills. Um, but can you elaborate on things like what kinds of habits related to sleep can students practice to improve our performance on exams, and why do these things work? Sure. So I think the first thing to point out is that sleep depriva deprivation is hugely prevalent on Emory's campus mm -hmm. um, nationally. About 60% of college students are reporting that they are, like, they report daytime drowsiness. Mm -hmm. um, about 70% get less than eight hours of sleep, and it's actually ranked as the number two problem after stress. Really? So if you ask students, like, like what are the biggest problems in your life? Mm -hmm. um, lack of sleep is ranks number two only after stress. I so believe that. it's a big problem. Um and this, so you're asking about sleep hygiene, mm -hmm. things um, that we know promote sleep, I would say from, and I would like to preface this also by saying that I'm not a sleep expert. I don't do, <laughs> none of my research is involved in sleep. Mm -hmm. um, most of my research is involved in learning and memory. Mm -hmm. So that part I can speak on with some authority, but um, you should really talk to a real, <laughs> you know, sleep researcher to get the best knowledge about that. But I will say that we know having a nice sleep routine, something that you do regularly before mm -hmm. you go to bed, is really helpful. It kind of primes your body to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. So um, that good sleep hygiene would include things like not drinking alcohol um, shortly before bed because that's going to disrupt your sleep. Okay. Um, not being exposed to too much light. Okay. So, computer screens, um, smartphones, all those kinds of things. If they have a, like a nighttime yeah. setting, you want to make sure that you're using that. Mm -hmm. um, what that, what that light does is reduces the release of melatonin, which mm -hmm. you may remember from class helps you go to sleep. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, so things like that. And overall, just being able to relax your mind. So like, Maybe just reading um, a fun novel that's not super stimulating, mm -hmm. but not, um, but like if you're working on schoolwork or something, you may not want to just like go directly from studying right to sleep. Right. Especially if you're going to be stressed about it while you're trying to yeah. fall asleep. Yeah, exactly right. Um, other things that will help you get to sleep are getting enough exercise, but mm -hmm. not right before you go to bed you okay. know, overall you want to just start quieting your body down and kind of 
if you do that every night and you have a routine, your body will actually become conditioned to be ready to fall mm -hmm. asleep faster. Okay. Um, and that's really difficult in college, as you know. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so, and, and that's probably why so many college students have their sleep disrupted. Yeah. Um, Your regular practices. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And, and there's other factors too, like, uh, in adolescence, you, you, your circadian rhythm starts to shift by a little bit. Okay. So you start to go to bed later mm -hmm. and want to wake up later. Mm -hmm. So when you get to college and you don't have all of those restrictions, a lot of people will really shift right. their, their schedule later. And I right. know that, um, that that can actually affect your, your performance, especially if you have an early class. Yeah. What is there like an ideal time where you should go to sleep and get up or is there any research behind that? Um, I don't know too much about that, but, um, but going to like, um, generally, you know, going to bed around 10 30 or 11 is probably better than staying up till, you know, one or two okay. and then sleeping until 10. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would say for your brain anyways, matching it as cl close to the daylight hours as mm, possible, mm -hmm. then your brain is going to take all of its cues from those, that sunlight. Right. Um, so if you can match that, that's great. Not okay. that you're going to be a farmer and <laughs> sleep then, but, right. um, but uh, say you're not getting, uh, say you do go to bed late or something mm -hmm. like that. Napping is also a really great way to kind of catch up on those sleep. Okay. And, and not everybody has one period where they like to sleep. Mm -hmm. Some people are kind of biphasic where they go to, they have a short bout, a shorter bout of sleep at, during the nighttime hours, mm -hmm. and then they'll take a little siesta during the day okay. or a power nap and yeah. they'll get enough sleep that way. And that's been shown to really improve grades, even GPA. Okay. Um, we'll test be, performance. We'll be talking about siestas in our, our next podcast episode, oh, yeah. actually. There you so. go. So yeah, that siesta culture is, is perfectly in line with how your brain actually wants to work and mm -hmm. sleep pressure driving you you know as soon as you wake up unfortunately you start to get tired right, right? so you have that process s that drives you to sleep mm -hmm. that just builds and builds throughout the day yep and um the only way to get rid of that which is um the adenosine is the neurotransmitter that's actually building up and causing that sleep okay. pressure we think okay um and those power naps will actually get rid of that adenosine. right interesting um, so that siesta actually does help to wake people back up, helps their performance mm -hmm. uh, through those later hours. Okay. So what about, like, how do we combine these sleep hygiene practices with good studying practices? Um, in some of my research, I found that maybe it's best to study before going to bed or studying before a period of sleep may help kind of consolidate those memories. Like, how can we apply that to our studying? How does that work? Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, sleep is hugely important for kind of consolidating our memories. Mm -hmm. And so when you encode the information that you want to learn in the first place, you want to use really effective ways mm -hmm. to actually learn that information. 
And one of the best things you can do is attaching that information to emotional content. So okay. coming up with a funny story to, that incorporates all that information that you need to mm -hmm. learn or making it emotional in some way. And then studying. Uh, so if the information is too exciting, then it's <laughs> going to keep you up. Okay. For So you, you'd, you'd be better off keeping your normal sleep routine. Okay. So I would suggest studying and you can study, you know, in the evening mm -hmm. for sure, mm -hmm. but just build in a little bit of time for that sleep routine to, to kick in so, you can, follow, mind. so yeah. you can fall to sleep quickly. Okay. But then as you're sleeping and you would, you think you're being lazy, but in actuality, your brain is doing a lot of work while you're hmm. sleeping. It's helping to repair your body, mm -hmm. but it's also taking all those memories that you've built throughout the day and organizing them mm -hmm. and even problem solving. Um, all of these things have been shown to be improved by bouts of sleep. Okay. Um, even, even during napping, this can happen. Too, I was going to say, so can I do this? Like, would it help me if I had an afternoon exam? Could I study in the morning, take a nap, and then go take the exam? Yeah, that's it. that would be a great plan. Uh, you huh. should get some benefit from that, at least according to, to the research. Um, so what happens then when, I mean, college students are notorious for pulling all-nighters to study? Is, I mean, is there any research to say that all-nighters are ever a good thing to do? Or, or what do we know about that? Yeah, so... Um, all-nighters, I, I mean, and I've taken my fair share of all-nighters, <laughs> so um, sometimes you like that you run out of time, and you have to do it. but um, but they've done a lot of studies on sleep deprivation, mm -hmm. and I can't, I've never found a single study that's shown that sleep de deprivation helps on on almost anything. <laughs> it hurts your ability to regulate your emotions. Mm. It hurts your decision making and. Um, so if you had to choose pulling an all nighter to learn the information mm -hmm. versus, um, studying a little bit and then going to sleep, you're much more likely to perform better. And in fact, when they've studied this in college students, mm -hmm. some of the results were roughly two letter grades higher for wow. those who had slept rather than, um, being sleep deprived for 30 hours. Right. This, uh, this is a study by Hirschner and Chervin in, in 2014. Okay. And, um, but not only that, it hurts the next day too. So oh. I know you've never pulled an all nighter, no. but, um, <laughs> but if you had, you'd probably find that you're pretty much trashed the next day. Okay. And the research supports that. So okay. it doesn't just inhibit your ability to remember what you'd studied that night before, mm -hmm. it also hurts for your absorption of material oh, yeah. for that day too. Okay. So, um, and the real kicker is that the students who had pulled these um, 30 hour sleep deprivation mm -hmm. experiments, they thought that they had better concentration. They thought that they had better um, effort and mm -hmm. motivation and that they performed better, even though none of those were true. <laughs> so, it also impacts your ability to make good judgments. Yeah, um, just sense of reality. Which is why probably so many students feel like, well, if I pull an eye on nighter, you know, it's, that's that's my best move right. right now. Because they walk away feeling like, yeah, that helped. Mm -hmm. When in fact, the research shows that it, it doesn't. Okay. It actually hurts you. Okay, good to know. So what I got from this 
um, when I want to, when I have an exam the next morning, I can study in the evening, um, do my usual sleep routine, try not to think, you know, try not to study too much. So I'm stressed out right before I go to bed. Cause it seems like if I can't get a good night's sleep because I'm stressed about the material, that's probably going to negate any of those, you know, um, benefits from studying before I go to bed. Right. Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly right. And then take the exam the next morning, or if it's an afternoon exam, I can study, take a nap, take the exam, no. but yep. just give yourself a little time to wake up. Right. The exam. <laughs> that's definitely true. But pulling an all nighter is a no go. Definitely. Definitely. Chef does not recommend. So that's episode one. We want to thank Dr. Kazama for speaking about this. Also, all the information about the studies that I used are included in the description for this podcast if you're interested in seeing those further. Um, Join us for the next episode. Julie is going to be speaking about international studies and hopefully shed light on a practice you may have heard of, the siesta, and why maybe we should all be adopting this and exactly why it works. Thanks for listening.